So Marcus Bell, Zen Golf mechanic, aka the Jedi, <laughs> aka. So this is a room. Very, very bizarre that I'm here speaking to you in this situation right now, because this is almost one year ago to the exact date where I had a lesson in here, which basically carves and dictated not only my golf, but my career and certainly everything I've taught to people, basically my life from there on forward. So I guess my question to you would be the obvious question that someone would, would ask and it would be how would a, 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 an idiot like me <laughs> be able to come for a lesson with someone like you and then go off and actually carve a whole career teaching golf from one lesson essentially how, how could that have happened what is it about what you do and how I've then given that information to other people. I think um, it's really just exploring, um, first of all, exploring your potential and realising that you're capable of doing things that you probably didn't expect. And I think that suddenly opens up doors where you start to think, well, maybe... I could, I can, if I go down in this, down this, this track, I can start to explore, and if I can do this myself, then the impact this could have on somebody else. So mm. the first of all, you experienced it for yourself, and I think that's the most powerful thing is when you experience something yourself, then you know it's real, and you, there's a there's a belief now that goes with it, yeah. and then a passion starts to emerge because you start to think, oh, this is, this is something, this has had a profound effect on me. It's opened my eyes to something I didn't realise was there physically and in the ether and I think suddenly you start to then want to know more and explore and that's what you did and started to elaborate on that really and then started to work. I think I think the next step then is when you actually have the experience with a with a pupil and I think when when you start to get that interaction and it takes you into somewhere where you really you you don't you don't expect i think it's like a jazz session there's kind of a an underlying structure to it a framework but it can go off in any direction yeah. and i think that's the that's the art of a coach is being able to guide that journey so that you come to an end point in that particular session we never reach the end point on a timeline it's kind of just it's infinity really we're always continually evolving and will and will do so so we could we're not expecting to have a an end point per se but in that particular session there's some needs that the pupil comes with i want to the typical term i want to fix my slice how often do we hear that and it's kind of it's not really the fixing the slice that's the issue the slice is a solution. That's the body's solution. The body's never doing anything wrong. It's providing a solution. So why is that solution? Why is how's that emerged? So we've got to delve down, drill down into the elements. It's like peeling back an onion and going down to the epicenter and finding out what are all the elements that are fusing together to create this movement that is undesirable. 
Yeah. <laughs> because if, if, if we could um, consciously affect our movement in instantaneously, then we wouldn't need golf lessons. We could look at a video and great, I just go and hit the ball straight. Yeah. But then how come I can look at a video, get some information, think I'm doing it, find out that it does, it's not, I'm not actually doing it when I look at it on a video and the, that the old feel and real analogy, it's kind of, that's some, somehow adds more, if you like, complexity and, and also distortion to the whole system. Suddenly I get, I become lost and I, I don't actually know where I started. I don't know what actually is my identity anymore. So what we're trying to do here, not trying, is what we are doing is we're allowing you to access your own natural blueprint. So the way that you've, the way that you've developed how you move and, for example, walking, there's a style to your walking that will not change. It's yeah. a blueprint. And that's a signature style. And that's something that's emerged. You're walking around, moving around from day to, in day to day life, very functionally. Um, without without even thinking about how you move, so how's that signature style, which is functional, emerged, and how can you instinctively, autonomously move within the environment and achieve task upon task upon task upon task, and some are highly complex, much more complex and dangerous than hitting a golf ball. How can you be how, when you drive when you drive a car at seventy mile an hour down the road? There's so much. Um, so many potential bad outcomes that could happen. Yeah. Okay, the, 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 but there's no fear factor when you drive a car, yet no. there's so, so many potential bad outcomes, yet you take it for granted and you just drive and you might be having a coffee and you might be having a conversation and, and you drive your car, yet on a golf course where there is very little fear, really, to be fair, it's not, it's not like it's driving not a car, there's no, there's no danger no. to your life. No, and there's no real bad outcome apart from exactly. It's know. not a real, it's not a physical yeah. danger to your life, and we are primitive beings and with primitive instincts, and we are creatures of self-preservation. So we perceive those those fears, and we react accordingly, and um, it's a continual self-risk assessment. And on a, when you're driving your car, you, 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 you're an autopilot, obviously, and you function fine, and you drive your car, and you're whipping it round bends and stuff, and you, you feel comfortable, yet actually it's a highly dangerous activity. Hitting a golf ball on a driving range or a golf course is not a highly dangerous activity, yeah. The fear factor, some people are holding a golf club and they're physically shaking, yet they, don't, they get behind the wheel of the car, which is far more dangerous, and drive fine on the way home. Driving home was the more dangerous aspect of the day than hitting the golf ball, yet hitting the golf ball is seriously, you would think, threatening to them. Yeah. So it's a nervous system response. And we are constraining our movements by our own inhibition. So your golf swing is actually a movement that you've generally, probably conceptually constructed through information and also through fear and fear of outcome. Um, and also, almost kind of in reducing the kind of available movement you've got, trying to create some kind of repeatable technique which creates some kind of outcome that you, that you can expect. Everybody wants consistency and there's no such thing as consistency yeah. in movement, in golf. We can 
we can go to a, there's lots of theories out there repetition without repetition is a is a great saying I think it's there's so much variability in a golf swing you don't make the same movement every time it looks the same but actually it's not the same yeah and it doesn't want to be the same because when you're on a golf course every shot's different yeah yeah if you actually had the perfect golf swing and it was the same absolutely the same every time it would not function on the golf course because the lies change the golf course all the, the demands change you'd have a, you'd be hitting the ground on some lies you'd be topping it because the ball would be above your feet below your feet so you if you created it the perfect model golf swing on here which whatever you perceive to be the perfect model golf swing and then you took it out on the golf course and you wanted it to repeat exactly the same it wouldn't function because you can't adapt it yeah so why not start at the other end of the spectrum and become adaptable first and then allow yourself naturally through self-organization to reduce those degrees of freedom to start to create a, a, a swing that becomes recognizable to you so that um, you have you've got an instinctive awareness of what you're doing and you're able to adapt and that's what the good players that's what the best players do so what is it I guess specifically about walking into the ball or obviously what I talk to particularly with not looking and stuff like that what is it about that that makes it such a almost a, a, transform, a transformative experience for me to then offer someone on a driving range what what is it about that that was so I guess quick and easy for someone like me just to come and pick up yeah and essentially run away with yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean yeah. and, and not, not only that but uh, two questions I want to ask you as well is firstly personally how did it make you feel me coming getting a lesson finding out these drills and, and publishing loads of videos online about it and also how did it make you feel professionally in terms of what you were doing doing what you were teaching and and feedback that I assume that you probably would have seen like online and stuff like that yeah um, the because it's been a weird journey to start with very weird to start with Matt. I think the thing yeah and it's been really interesting almost being on the sidelines and kind of obviously as a just a looking from outside in watching how you're how much kind of traction you've got and how people have responded and how it's suddenly evolved and just snowballed I think but that's not unexpected because it's a very liberating experience yeah and what you went through is what I do experience every day yeah obviously in the confines of here and we don't have the platform you've got um, but those that emotional experience I mean Zen golf we've got the mind body motion philosophy and um, emotion is very much at the heart of it and I think emotion does drive movement um, hence energy emotion the, la the, the Latin for emotion so it's kind of the, the there's, a, there's an underpinning there already emotionally I, can, I think the 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 effect it had on you and then you wanted to share it so professionally when i saw the videos i was thinking look you've taken a you've got a small snippet of what we do yeah. and elaborated on that somewhat kind of straying off the if you like the the path which you've of, because although this is very much a, a journey of self-discovery in a lesson there are there are kind of uh, there is structure to it mm. 
So it is. There's so many elements which combine to 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 create this emergent behaviour, i.e., the development of your golf swing. That just by taking a small snippet, you are going to access it. Okay, it's like we talk about it being the matrix, and you can enter it at any point, and you can get to the epicenter. But there's there's many elements which can catalyze that process, and uh, otherwise it can you can be you might be out there trying to do the, the looking forward swing or the walking swing. It doesn't work. Yeah, and this that can is happen. What I've experienced. And then you can hit a roadblock, and you think, where do I go? So then you can start talking about uh, trying to get them to relax and things like that, which are very important, the physiology of it. But you don't have to be relaxed to hit a golf ball. Yeah. You don't have. To. Flow state is not something that's soft and kind of wishy-washy and kind of um, people think of meditation when they think of flow state laying on a couch or being in a really kind of sedentary state it's not I mean flow state I go back to driving the car analogy it's kind of you're driving your car at 70 mile an hour down the motorway lots of traffic music's on lots of stuff going on you could have had a an argument on the phone or something you're stressed or you're late and you're trying to get you're trying to get to work you drive your car perfectly yeah in fact often people work better under high pressure yeah, right. I know I do so yeah. if I'm if I've got a real tight time constraint and I'm re- really under pressure to get a dead in for a deadline and I'm le- I've left it to last minute um, which can which often happens mm-hmm. um, but I, I function better like that so I know I function better probably with a quiet surrounding late at night kids have gone to bed and I've only got a certain set amount of time to get it in and suddenly the adrenaline's going but my body finds this equilibrium this state where I can function optimally yet I'm in a state of stress have you ever heard of Parkinson's law I want to say I hope no. I've got that right I think it's Parkinson's it? law I'm going to roll with that anyway okay. it's the idea that you will complete a task under basically whatever time frame you are given and it's the whole like um, I never did homework well I did homework but I would only ever do it last minute same with everything, but yeah, you find like the, the best example given, character. yeah, is like when you got a obviously when you're a kid is when when mum's coming home, you got to clean your house, yeah. and you've probably only got 15 minutes to do it, but you'll do it because yeah, yeah. you have to do it. Yeah, yeah. The task is there in that time frame, but whereas if you've got all day to do it, it will take you all day, yeah, because you've got all day, yeah. Whereas yeah. if you've only got a 15 minute time frame, you'll do it in 15 minutes, so to speak. Yeah, I bit totally off, agree with that. Bit off topic, but... No, um, but I think that's also how people can maybe uh, approach their practice and apply that to the practice time. It doesn't matter if you've got 10 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour, you can you can go to the range and it, do practice in 10 minutes and it'd be more valuable than being on there for two hours. Yeah. But it depends how you practice, because the driving range is a, is, is a totally different environment to a golf course. How you hit the golf ball on the driving range does not correlate to how you're going to hit on the golf course, yeah. period. So any drills that you're doing on the driving range that are technically driven and trying to kind of refine some te- kind of form of technique, i.e. with a reductionist approach, so you're trying to conform, you conform to some kind of protocol. Um, the, just the whole physiology and the mental aspect to that is completely different to how it's going to be applied on a golf course. So that all the all the biological systems are functioning to create some kind of pattern, um, which 
which is just not going to correlate to how they intend to perform on a golf course because those systems are going to function totally different. The stimuli of your environment is totally different and how you respond to that. So you are continu you've got you are continually scanning the environment. It's that is that primitive instinct. And so you're constantly scanning for potential threats, opportunities and threats. But we're negatively wired, so we're looking for, for, for threats. And I think straight away that's going to start to affect our movement. You only, have to, you only have to take the typical scenario, stood on the first tee on a Saturday morning and you've got 20 of your mates watching you. And um, it's, the, it's the big, big comp and you're first to tee off or something. And it's like, that's very different to being on a driving range with 20 balls with, in a wide open field. Yeah. And I mean, we all know that. Um, but then how can you practice on a range so that it does transfer? Well, the range is for, is, is for you to explore yourself and develop an, an, a, self, a level of self-awareness. Um, and through that, skill adaptation. So you, you upskill on the driving range and you become so self-aware, i.e. by heightening your attunement to yourself. And that doesn't mean, on a, that's not necessarily on a physical level, um, that you become so comfortable and you develop patterns that you recognise and that are, and you're, you're starting to see the outcome and relate patterns um, and a physiological state that goes with that. Um, and through that pattern recognition, you go on a golf course and you start to see you start to see shots and react instinctively, and also keep yourself present in the moment. So. That is a very difficult thing to do, but that is ultimately where you are when you are um, functioning in flow. So when you're driving your car, you are your mind can be wandering elsewhere, but you are actually in the present, physically driving the car. Yeah, I feel like at this point in time. So you can be physically, you can be mentally somewhere else, but physically you're going to be able to perform really with high precision as well. And that is that thing about whether it's closing your eyes and hitting the ball or, or walking in, is that opening the gate into that flow state? So yeah, go, yeah. Thought, so going so back to that, these are maps, these are movement yeah. maps that you develop through time. Which, so we've talked before about blueprint and yeah. pretty much the, when you pick a golf club up, when you start to walk, the moment you develop any level of proficiency, you are hardwiring a blueprint movement, yeah. a signature style that you really don't deviate much from for the rest of your life. So you look at all the guys' swings when you watch golf on television. You look at the swings from years and years back, and they're all they're, they're very they don't change much. It's like if you watch your mate on the, you can tell who you who the, who the who the people are just. But if you were on the, if the guys over on the other fairway, you don't even need to see the face. You look at the golf swing, and you know it's them. Yeah. And that won't change week in week out. And then they wonder why the handicap stays at 18 for the rest of their life when, um, when the movement patterns don't, don't really evolve yeah. because they've reached a level of proficiency. Look, it's, it's, we're always suboptimal. Whatever we're doing, no one's functioning at 100%, but it is functional at some level. That, li that level might just not be their desired level, but we are, we are kind of hardwired to kind of if it works, if it's functional, if it's 
achieving some kind of objective we kind of like like we talked about with handwriting once somebody can read your handwriting you, you stop learning to to improve your handwriting you, you don't become a calligrapher you, you you just write and people can read it pretty much and you're happy with it um like with walking we, we talked about walking you get from a to b it's good enough no pain fine i get there and it's it, it serves it achieves its objective golf we get the we can hit the golf ball the body's adapting it's getting the ball around the golf course and yeah everyone would like to play better but um are they really are they really applying themselves in a way that is conducive to developing um a higher level of performance and i'd say pretty much in in every case now <laughs> I'd say yeah. most people on a driving range who I see and um, their intention is there and I'm not saying it doesn't work I'm not saying that it, all, it doesn't that, that all these methods and things don't work not, not at all but the way they're applying themselves on the driving range just physically the way the muscles are functioning to achieve something or achieve some feel is totally different in relation to how those muscles are going to function when they hit a golf ball on a golf course Mm. so they're doing something that is disconnected so we have to now when you talked about the walking swing and the looking forward and there is a, a high level initially of fear and anxiety because there's a there's naturally some apprehension about moving and hitting a ball um, and it does take it requires a leap of faith and that leap of faith is something that we do 10,000 times a day when we're walking, we, we move our weight from leg to leg. Uh, but we don't think about it because it's such a common movement. It, we've got a map for it. Um, until we get injured, if we have a serious injury, things change. Um, but generally, we, we, uh, we walk and we, we move our weight and we move around. Yet when people try and play golf, they often try and stay static. Either keep the feet still, keep the head still, try and stay centred. All these things which kind of promote stability. Mm. Yeah, if you were throwing a ball, the last thing you think about is stability, yet the body's highly stable when it moves. Yeah. You throw yourself back, you don't fall over, you just you throw your arm back, your weight goes back, it probably shifts right to the outside of the foot, the, prob the foot probably inverts, and you, you're just really loading up in to your extremity right to that point of no return where, where it's going to bring you back and the nervous system brings you back and you activate all the stretch reflexes and boom you create explosive power most people don't allow themselves to go anywhere near that place in a golf swing yet you do it when you walk you do it if you throw a ball you do it with these and it's 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 a nervous system reaction it's it's um, in the golf swing we've not explored these possibilities so they're practicing within very small confines, very narrow bandwidths, which um, they can operate within. But actually, there's a whole load of potential available that's outside of that that bandwidth yeah. that we're probably not accessing. Or and that's either through instruction or through just um, some form of concept, conceptual thinking. I think. But um, once you start to allow yourself to explore, and it is a journey of self-discovery, and it is a it is that we talk about letting go and we talk about being relaxed, but relax in a sense of just allowing your body to move with ease yeah. and explore its movement and allow that momentum to move and react and start to become 
comfortable with that. And then the body will start to organize itself in a very, very efficient manner um, around the task you're trying to, you try, you're trying to accomplish. So um, very much at the heart of what, what Zen Golf Mechanics is about is, um, is, is, is heightening that attunement so that the golf club, which essentially is just like a prosthetic limit, as soon as you pick it up, it becomes an extension of your anatomy and you should have a very high level of awareness for that golf club it should be that the goal the, literally the the sole of the golf club is is the the tips of your fingers and the face of the golf club is the palm of the hand it's, it's just an extension of the arm so yeah. it should literally be as sensitive to you as that as your hand but if i put oven gloves on your hands and um desensitize the hands and then got you to perform some kind of highly precise task it would be very difficult because you wouldn't have the sensitivity or if we made the hands very cold yeah like trying to do your shoelaces when your yeah, hands are freezing yeah, yeah. Like so it's so you so so the so the physiology yeah. is affecting the function yeah now that works that's very similar to how disconnected we, we can become from the golf club when we're shifting our focus of attention and reacting to potential outcomes on a golf course for example body temperature, te skin, so not body temperature, but uh, extremity, skin temperature tends, tends to reduce when you become more anxious, reduces blood flow, increase, tightens up muscles, reduces joint action. So suddenly, just some, the physiology starts to affect the biomechanics of your movement. Yeah. So what we're delving into is the physiology, physiological aspect where we're starting to look at really allowing movement to happen. So it becomes quite revealing and very compelling too when you start to look at how the sensory systems are reacting because you've probably you've probably never challenged them before yeah. you're using these systems day in day out taking them for granted and trying to and achieving complex tasks and something like a golf swing which appears to be quite easy and um it's a complex task but the body can achieve it with with relative ease but we don't trust it so we think we've got to override it with with uh i mean a great book in a game of golf it's a it's an, it's a it's like 25 25 years old now but it's still as current today as it was then and self one and self two self one trying to to override and gain this sense of control over its execution of movement yet it's self two that functions naturally all the time uh, executing movement with ease and high precision and there's no deliberate thinking behind it. There's an intention from self one and there's an execution from self two. So it's kind of allowing the body to react to the intention. But where's your intention? So is your intention to hit, play a golf shot? Because swinging a golf club is about hitting a golf shot, not hitting a golf ball. Yeah. So if you shift your attention to the golf ball now, that's a whole new task you're presenting the body with and it's now a whole new set of constraints to hit a golf ball it's very different to playing a golf shot yeah. and on a range people are thinking about hitting the ball generally um, and on the golf course it requires you to play a golf shot and if you spend your life on a range trying to hit a golf ball you are channeling that concept that, that constraint system to organize itself to strike a golf ball um, I guess that would sort of make sense in terms of what I've experienced with like my own game. Because when I, certainly after I've visited you, I've gone and I've gone through like the whole self-discovery journey and 
for a long time I, c I couldn't look at the ball I was looking up and I found it to be the same with, with people I've taught personally and both obviously like just online or, or people who have just seen videos and stuff like that I feel like I've I've tried to almost like a compete in combat sports having just learned the jab yeah <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah, yeah. Um, which has obviously brought us to this point now but like I know I can speak for myself and I know I'm speaking for a lot of other people as well certainly who have tried uh, either walking in or looking forward um, is is there is a transition from doing it here to doing it to the course like I know personally um, when I had my uh, sort of moment of transformation yeah. here <laughs> um, it, it was walking in you probably don't remember it as vividly as I do obviously because it was my such yeah, personal experience yeah, and you yeah. like I said you no, but, I, but I do share the thing is that every experience is unique I do share it with the person this is what I this is I mean all coaches can I think um, I think this will resonate with all coaches I think they can all associate with this is that you are emotionally invested in the person that you are coaching yeah and that there's a there's a not just a rapport but there's an emotional connection which there is in obviously that happens anyway but Particularly with coaching, there's a someone's coming to you with a need, and you're that you're 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 essentially helping them, and so straight away there's a connection, and you're on a journey together, and that journey is unique because everybody's needs are different, and everybody's so unique in what they bring through that door, is that that journey is is just between you two really, and so you, every experience is different. Yeah. So I can it is strange I can remember all, a lot pretty much all my lessons. Yeah. Because they're all different. Yeah. So Crazy. I can remember them. Yeah. But because what we're what we're trying to do here, I think a key word we have not said so far is enrichment. Is we're trying to create enrichment to so the whole experience. That sensory perception is just heightened to a level where you become you become empowered because action perception now starts to merge so the movements you're making completely connect to the intended outcome that perception of what you of, of what you want to achieve yeah. and so by providing that enrichment not providing the enrichment you're providing the environment for that enrichment to take place yeah. so we're providing a, a, an environment of learning that's what that's what all the coach can do is is create an environment of learning for that individual and every individual is an individual they're unique so every environment is different and so when you go through the walking swing you're going to experience something different to every one of the every one of your viewers who are looking at this everyone's mm -hmm. going to experience something different and we're all going to have our own challenges with that yeah so so my personal challenge was was taking that particular walking in to the course because that's probably the drill that I've performed best in terms of on the range but for me I found it so uh, much easier to transfer looking forward to the course but then again I've probably not hit that same sort of level of I guess ball striking yeah. as what I have done on the range and obviously provided that same information to other people and I've had the same feedback so that's, that's where obviously that's where we're going to that is where show, my skills lag yeah 
and going right back to the beginning yeah. so you you had a, a, a relatively small level of content yeah which was very powerful by the way but just a snippet and you've managed to i mean testament to you with the exposure you've got and the impact it's had and how it's helped so many people because at the end of the day I just want to help as many people as I possibly can and, yeah. and so do you and, and we're, we're here to share it um, and so the enthusiasm and that newfounded kind of that real kind of liberation of wow this is different this is something that's it's a different way of learning it's a different way of performing and god you can access this and it's so much easier when you feel that elation and when you feel that when you experience that you want to share it and um, and you did and it had a a huge effect it was well, I a think real it was, yeah, it was a, it a lot of my ego as well but it was a it was a it was very much a butterfly effect it just whoosh, turned into a tsunami at some point and it was like um, which is great because it's out there uh, but then you are going to hit you're going to get blockages you're going to hit roadblocks where you, it just you, every, and everybody's everybody's different there'll be similarities but um, what we're reacting to is quite different and so what we need to do then is explore what is inhib inhibiting the execution and why can you do it when you're not on the golf course and what's the problem on the golf course well it's not the problem on the golf course and it's not there's no problem here and there's a problem there it's, it's probably you just don't know yourself well enough Mm. so you just don't know what are the triggers what's the stimuli the cues that I'm using to execute and initiate movement with yeah. and how am I scanning my environment and often we don't even know we're just scanning continuously and, and um, using peripheral vision a lot of the time yeah, on a golf course, we're not using that. It narrows down. And we have a very much, very much a narrowed focus of attention, and we lose that periphery, and suddenly our movement starts to become very much con constrained. So action drives movement. Action initiates movement. Sorry, vision um, initiates movement. So vision, the simulation, precedes movement or yeah. action. So what is affecting, or how are you? simulate how are you constructing that simulation um and that's where i would start to go and so we start to look at where the focus of attention is and we start to shift that and things in and understanding that the body's always moving so even when you're putting um also when you're stood still in resting posture your center of gravity is moving and the uh, agonist antagonist muscles are working to make keep you upright everything just doesn't stay still yeah. it moves you're continually swaying and moving you only have to close your eyes and stand still for 20 seconds and you're going to feel sway that's true yeah that's so true so you are moving so all there's muscle function all the time so it's a it's a it's a it's a case of immersing yourself becoming aware um accepting embracing that and knowing that movement there is is, is needed for stability and, and it's always present so we need to go with that flow and um, allow the body to function so taking that attention away often where the problem is that's where you channel your attention but actually you need to channel your attention as far away from that place as possible for you to actually overcome the initial 
Yeah, that's, that's an interesting setup because I remember the when I come in, uh, came and seen you, uh, I probably had the obviously I, I knew I, I was open minded anyway, and because I'd, I'd uh, spoke to your assistant Sam, I knew it was going to be different. Obviously, but I didn't know exactly what to expect. Um, but I remember coming to you like a, you know, like the patient goes to the doctor, like yeah. oh, I, I early extend, um, and I don't think we ever spoke about early extension once. And then what? What was quite powerful for me as well is that I, um, typical of a film a swing after, and I wasn't early. I wasn't doing. No. I wasn't doing what I've tried. I tried for probably two years to stop doing by addressing the the early extension or whatever that even is. Um, by just trying to not do it. Yeah. And I couldn't ever not do it. And then all of a sudden, by not even thinking about it, not even trying, basically. I wasn't doing it. <laughs> it, it was quite, a, you know, because just because of how much um, and and whether early extended, it, whether it's a good or a bad thing to do in the swing, I, was completely irrelevant. Just because I had such an emotional attachment to this one move, that almost just out of pure, even if someone said to me early extension is is good for your swing, Robin, I would have wanted to not do it just because I tried to not do it for so long. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and just that sort of emotional attachment I had to it to then go and um, and realise I was no longer doing it without You even. made it a personal mission. Yeah, it was. It was almost like a, yeah, I guess a vendetta. Um, I think that can, I think that, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that in the fact that, yeah. that a lot of people try and achieve positions in a golf swing and that consumes them. That takes precedent over everything. Yeah. If I get this, then everything's going to be all right. Yeah, why Because is if that? I do this, this and this, yet there's I'm not saying that it can't work and it doesn't work because there are the it's it's quite courses for courses there's different but I think would you apply that approach in any other form of your life I think for example if I wanted to make you if I wanted to not make you what is the wrong word I want you to experience more stability okay if we if I take you barefoot and we go and swing out there on some sharp gravel you're going to move very differently to how you would here on the mat in bare feet or if I put you in sand. Yeah. Okay, because that sensory perception is going to change and not allow you to move that much because it's going to hurt you. Yeah. Okay, so that is a high level of constraint, but that we're letting the body self-organise to overcome it and swing a golf club um, in that environment. Yeah. Now, that's not designed there to constrain movement in a certain way, that's just for you to experience what it's like swinging in a different environment with different sensory feedback. And so you're starting to learn about yourself and then your movement pattern will change. And if you start to change where the ball is, even the kind of ball you're hitting, change the ball, make it smaller, make it bigger, make it lighter, you can just change these constraints and your movement will adapt quite a lot. Um, and so it's a it's a constraints led approach where you are on that journey of self discovery but what's important is that you have a level of self awareness that you actually know you can feel the patterns that are emerging and you are able to yeah recognize those because you've got to be able to you've got to be able to have some form of some form of Understanding of what is, what what is going to perform and what is, what isn't. If I'm trying to throw a ball really high and I'm doing this kind of action, I know that that's going to throw it along the floor. 
Yeah. That's not going to throw it high. And even if I look up and I imagine myself throwing up, but I'm doing this action, there's a disconnect between the action I'm making. But as soon and as soon as I see the ball then go down there, and then we start to move the ball, and suddenly the, the body moves, and suddenly you're starting to connect movement. So there's a there's there's an in, there's an in, an, an internal awareness, which is that proprioceptive system. And most people are um, we delve into interoception more than proprioception, which is um, a lot a lot more powerful. Yeah. Okay, something that. Um, is, uh, can be can be uh, stimulated and then you start to reach higher levels of sensory awareness the body the body map starts to emerge and you start to have a yeah that spatial awareness that sense of self that ability to calibrate your movement is amplified and so the body starts to perform with more a higher level of execution, so well pre precision, if you like, because we're heightening the sensory system, and um, and we've got we can we can access that. There are times when we do, yeah. um, but we want to be doing that from the off. We want to be using all these systems, ramp them up, get them. Let's experience what it's like to actually function at a high level, and um, and not dampen these sensors by trying to override it with a conscious, deliberate kind of intervention. Because um, what we're all, what most people are playing with is a very high cognitive load. They've got a very high mental working capacity when they're playing golf, and that's why it becomes very. They talk about it. They talk about it being a grind. They talk about it being emotionally. Consci it's it's a yeah, it's difficult. That? It's why that? we play golf. Hitting a golf ball should yeah. be fun. Throwing a golf throwing a ball is fun. You could throw a ball a thousand times a day. It's fun. It, yeah. It's like kick a ball. Kick a ball, kicking, cricking. A, they don't talk about it being a grind. Practicing football or playing football or playing tennis. It's like maybe grind it out if the game's not going. But to actually practice it being a grind, that straight away has connotations associated with it being difficult, with it being not fun, <laughs> with yeah. it being hard work. Um, yet. We play golf for the complete opposite reasons that we want to have fun. It's we want it to be easy. Hitting a golf, we want to we want to enjoy ourselves, and it should be it should we should have freedom playing. So a lot of the time, it can be just the mental, the mindset, just that you bring mm -hmm. to that either practice ground or driving range or even the golf course before we even start. Sometimes it, we expect it to be a grind. Oh, I'm, I'm on my, my, I'm not on my A game. I'm gonna have to, gonna have to grind it out today. It's like, well, um, we are, we've got a very what we what we what we're starting to talk about here is limiting belief systems, and there's a ceiling now to our performance level, and we're yeah. we're already expecting a level of performance, and um, and I think it's a uh, we. It can be a comfort zone. How often do you do you start around really bad and then it gets better, or start around really well and it gets worse, and you end up with a similar score? Or most people are pretty much over the year uh, aren't that far away from the handicap. Um, so there's already an expected level of performance, really. And past experience, obviously, has a lot to do with that. But there is no reason why the next shot you're going to hit 
can't be the best golf shot you've ever hit in your life. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So why? It's funny when you put it like that. What is the what is the baggage that we bring and all those attachments to swinging a golf club, to move, to hitting a golf ball? When actually we're trying to play a golf shot. If you're trying to kick a football, you're thinking about where it's going. You just react autonomously, and if you miss, all right, I missed. Okay, you don't beat yourself up about it. If you trip up when you're walking down the street, you don't stop and start scratching your head and thinking, what did I just do wrong? What, what happened with my mechanics? Why did I just trip? You just carry on and you, may, you might pay a bit more attention to the pavement or something, but you don't judge your movement. And that's, so um, when we start judging our movement as good or bad, now um, we're attaching a lot of emotion to that. Yeah. And um, movement is just movement. It's it's um it's uh, it really is a case of there's a there's a movement and there's an outcome and it's as black and white as that what, what, what is it so unique about golf that has this sort of culture of i don't want to say <laughs> negativity but i sort of mean that like the whole oh, i'm probably gonna play crap today you know like the, there is this think, thing with golf and i think also the game the way the game's set up i think par has a lot to do with it yeah. So there's a par four, par five, yeah. or par three, and no matter what level of golfer you are, there's already an intention there to hit the green in one on a par three, or hit the green in two on a par four, or hit the green in three on a par five. Even yeah. a, so, that's what's expected of you. Because of yeah, so you're already you're like a beginner race driver or a novice race driver getting in the car and expecting to and comparing yourself to a Lewis Hamilton lap record. So straight away you're looking at what a prof- what the what a professional should do, and you're starting to benchmark yourself against that. So um, if we, if you if you now the fun of the game is to smash the ball, and it's those good shots that you remember. You might shoot a hundred, but you hit a ball over water to two foot, and that's the one you're going to remember for the rest of the day. And that's why you play golf. It's those memories um, that inspire you to 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 play to keep playing to to do it again um, but if you kind of assessed where you're at and um, played relative to your current kind of ability but allowing for a lab for for um, if you like special moments so you're not conf- constricting yourself to a team like a seven iron of every tee you are playing but you're allowing yourself the affordance of having more shots to the green you're actually allowing yourself freedom. A lot it doesn't really matter. So you're not you're playing more in the moment. You're allowing yourself to be more um, Yeah, just react with more they say play carefree, but you can't be it's 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 impossible? never it's impossible to play carefree, isn't it? Because at the at the end of the day it matters. So but it's how you frame it, really. Yeah. It's how you frame it and how you so allowing yourself to play with complete acceptance of what's going to happen what's the worst that can happen it's like we talked about it doesn't compare to other things you do in your life on a level of danger if the ball goes out of bounds it goes out of bounds you just get another ball down <laughs> it's the acceptance is the ball could go anywhere but it could also go exactly where i want it to down there it could be the best this could be the best golf shot i've ever hit and it could go exactly what i'm seeing here and you make a practice swing, and you feel the swing that's gonna that feels right for that shot, and then you go and and you just allow yourself just to 
recreate that pattern that you've recognised, and um, and then then you then you accept it. What what happens? So you, wherever it goes, look, that's where it's gone, and I and I, and I move on. Um, obviously, if the ball's doing this and it's all over the place, then there's a disconnect between the action and the perception. So the movement isn't um, creating what you intended. So now we have to go back to that connection, if you like, between, or that, that awareness of what you're doing, movement-wise, how you're moving, um, and what the outcome what is the consequence of that movement? Yeah. So um, that's, I mean, that's that's for a different, for another yeah. time really. But what I talk about today is where your attention is. Often, you don't even need to look at the golf ball when you're playing a golf shot. You can be looking away from the ball. You don't have to be, you could be looking at in front of the ball, behind the ball. So you could be looking at the ball. Um, you can be looking at the ball, but not looking at the ball. So you can be, it can almost be kind of a, yeah, just a, your attention can be moving. Yeah. Um, How did you come across all this, I guess? <laughs> Would be an obvious question to ask someone. Um, well, the person, I, I mean. no obvious answer, but. <laughs> well, I mean, I did a, I, I mean, I, it goes back, I did a, I did a sports science degree in biomechanics. I did a master's like 10 years ago um, and that set me th that set me on the, on the road but then I met I, I'm fortunate in that I had some really um, I had some really very kind of influential coaches who helped shape my pathway who were different thinkers yeah. so guys guys who um, were seen as, 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 as kind of if you like mavericks in their field, yeah. um, did things a bit differently. Did diff did things very differently, and of yeah, very well known and respected. And then I met Nick Middleton uh, from Zen Golf, and that's that changed my my whole outlook. So I was very much. So did you have a transformative experience, like with Nick? Did he teach you, like? What, um, did you have what like a game, pin drop what, moment what, where it's like you can pinpoint exactly that moment where it's like wow our first conversation really okay I, th I suppose you can relate it to the experience you had when you came here with me and yeah, that's that was what the I mean. same did you have a, with Nick yeah. whereby it was a, an eye opener and um, but it, it was a conversation it, it wasn't you hitting balls no or so. but it, it gave me an opportunity to look at it through a completely different lens and pretty much the polar opposite and instantly it all made sense so that the, the the road I was going down and I was pretty successful coach got yeah just um, busy coach and uh, but applying my biomechanics in a very clinical way yeah I, I think a lesson that if you came for me came for a lesson with me yeah you'd be getting the biomechanics and you'd be getting the, uh, the methodology all the different methods I was um, it, I wasn't a method teacher, but certainly all those golfing machines, stacking to all that kind of stuff. It was, 
it was in my mind and I was I was um, I was uh, I was very much technically focused um, and I think it's a sign of the times as well I think scientifically we were we were more that way then yeah um, I think more current day the non-linear pedagogy that kind of approach more of a dynamical systems that's that's really underpinning our philosophy where we're it's an interplay of all the systems and you're it, it really is just um, allowing yourself to yeah self-organize in the moment um, which is what we do instinctively how could he, I think but Nick Nick Nick's yeah. Nick Nick's um, how could he put that an amazing in a conversational guy. format yeah I mean he's an amazing guy and he yeah it was a transformative experience for me very yeah trans- transformational because it completely flipped on its head how I coached and then I knew I couldn't go back from that next day yeah. so it was quite a, an interesting situation to, to be in because yeah. people were coming to me for lessons exactly that's yeah it's, you take the red or the blue and people were coming for lessons one week and then literally the next week it was like wow. what's going on Mark it's like this is like this is different so there was a there was a period of time where I'd say look stick with me look this is the rationale this is the, my reasoning uh, obviously not as deep as we're talking now but and a, and a, or, or as extensive but um, and the majority stayed with me with the journey and um, and it's grown and evolved and so I still use the pressure plate 3D. I've got even more heavily into biomechanics, particularly podiatric biomechanics. I've really, I've got research at Sheffield Hallam. I've been working with, as a consultant at Hallam with, with a 3D company. I've, 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 got, I've got my own 3D project in gate analysis that I've done at Hallam. We've got training aids, which have been developed at Hallam you, this year. You're constantly learning aren't you constantly yeah adding yeah the research is compelling too that we've done and that's not published yet yeah. uh, but we're going to be presenting it next year at a, at a conference in japan um yeah. and um you need to do a, a ted talk i can see you doing a ted talk <laughs> i don't i don't think i'm quite articulate enough for that but i think um <laughs> i think um, maybe someone else can do it but um for me but i think um it's a constant quest it's a it's a it's a Const, yeah just a thirst for knowledge and like any any coach you're wanting to learn more and resource from any all areas i mean most of the i would say most of the information i get is 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 way is way outside the golf industry um and yeah i mean there's a few guys that you should be following on on instagram also, um, oh, so you get and, your info. But that's not, I'm not saying it's from social media, elsewhere. but there's a few guys who are on there who are doing yeah. things that are probably don't look like they've got anything to do with golf, but have got everything to do with golf because it's mm. it's basically human movement. And so anything to do with human movement and the psychology of that is is to do with golf. Yeah. And um, so when we were talking about walking, for example, every movement you Every movement you make in life exists in your gait cycle. So every potential what or possible. So a gait cycle is um, is walking, if you like. It's walking. It's, it's, the, it's a walking cycle. So gait. Okay, yeah. So one phase, so from when you toe off, so when you leave the ground and push off, and when that same foot strikes again with the heel, that's classed as one cycle. And the arms have swung and 
the legs have swung and you've gone from one leg to the other and just to, during that one phase in about 0.8 seconds you've you've accessed every potential plane of movement you can make you've not full range you've not you've not made the biggest movement you can possibly make in that in that direction but you've in every joint potential joint range uh, plane of action you've moved into it um or or you haven't and if you don't if you miss these planes then uh, they can become redundant because walking is the thing that we do the most of it's we do it on average 10,000 times a day if you do anything 10,000 times a day it's going to produce um, it's going to produce habitual movement patterns yeah. and it's going to uh, also create redundant patterns that are that just aren't accessible or if you do try and access them it might potentially be predisposing you to injury so there might be things most golfers are injured so I mean study years ago said that even on the tour 70% of the tour players are injured I believe that yeah and most the, people have got a niggle or something haven't they yeah the tour players that I coach and have coached most have carried or carrying injury and we work just as much at reducing that injury as we do improving performance the two mm -hmm. go hand in hand so um, often at that level it's more about making sure they can play yeah. every week because every week they miss is is a lost check so they've got to continue playing yeah. and if their movement patterns are injurious then there's there's going to be a a point in time where it just breaks down and that is it and the performance is naturally going to drop and to a point where then they can't play as well because they're injured so that's the that's worst case scenario so um, a lot of the work biomechanically that we do is is to reduce injury and that's why all these exercises that you're doing your body's working within its natural constraint system you're not physically trying to force it to do anything so it's not going to injure you because your body, you're just letting your body move how it wants to. You're walking, and then you're hitting a golf ball. So, um, until that conscious, that self one starts to kick in, and potentially try and manipulate something, or there's a deliberate pattern that you've that you've created through habit, through doing so often, yeah. that potentially might start to recruit these redundant um, planes of action in the joints that aren't that just normally aren't there and so um, that's a that's a big that's a huge element of what, what I do and so this is where my research took me into looking at how we move and the, the walking um, we use the same um, propulsion systems to create the ground reaction forces for the power so um, we're using the same systems in the body um, as walking as walking when you walk you're ro yeah and when you when you're walking you're rotating and the uh, the muscular chains that you use are, are they're all the same chains that you use in the golf swing so um, there's a direct correlation to it um, and or relationship should I say mm -hmm. um, and so you can start to see patterns emerge and the walking swirls so the walking swing is a great way of also attuning you to momentum, timing, weight well, shift, yeah. stability, mobility. Um, it's a great 
uh, I think transition into just allowing yourself just to perform without anxiety and um, real kind of apprehension really people people see a golf ball and it does crazy things to people yeah. mentally it's only a golf ball it's an inanimate object that's not moving either so we're we're stood there and it's not going to move so it's kind of you see people getting religiously kind of set up to the ball and trying to repeat this setup that is impossible to repeat time on time again anyway so it's kind of we, we, we're imposing such heavy constraints on our body and and by doing that we're actually inhibiting its function and its, its ability to just react. So what we're trying to do is remove all those and let the body just organise its own constraints. So organise itself using its own constraints. So um, it is the leap of faith because you have to allow self to, to take control. Yeah. You have to allow yourself to to drive the car, and um, and so that's yeah, that's just like walking. You're allowing self to to drive the whole motion. There's a huge weight shift. There's lots of rotations. It's all similar joint movements. Um, they don't look like a golf swing when you're walking. Although it, to be fair, if we do if we start if we if we do a little bit of it demoing then we'll see that they, it does look like walking when you actually start to defragment it I think we should do that. and then you can start to see that actually um, the way that I move in day-to-day life actually does influence the way that I swing and not only that but the way that I think I should swing that's also a very heavy constraint and now when I combine the two my movement is is seriously constrained if you change obviously the, the way someone moves and walks yeah that, that then changes the swing? Potentially. It depends then. Um, normally, we see um, movement, a, a movement change. So the body will take the least path of resistance. It will take the most, it will use the most optimal pattern it can use. So if you make these available to it in a usable way, it's not. It's not. It's not like I'm just gonna uh, stretch my hamstring. It's actually got to be part of a full chain. So um, you can be focusing on, which is often that symptomatic approach, which is used where you get pain and then you look at the site of pain and you try and alleviate the pain at that site and you think that's that's where my pain is. That's where my problem is. Mm. But the the problem is often somewhere completely different to where the site of pain is so it's like if you if you think of it as a faults and fixes approach in the golf swing um there's no such thing as faults because everything's a solution it's just a, a solution but there's there's things you're doing which the body has to organize itself around those constraints that you're creating that it and the intention of the shot it's trying to create the best solution it can and the outcome often doesn't match what the intention is so what we have to do then is we have to um, allow the body, allow ourselves to defragment everything. But but what we do is not in a golfing sense, whereby we try and break it down and say this is what causes this, this is what causes this. Biomechanically, it can all be explained and using three D. But you don't need to go there. That's just adding more complexity and more. It's adding detail, and it's it's whether you like it or not. Um, that's that's uh, almost a subliminal message.
that you're telling yourself you've got these problems and I need to be thinking about this and once you've had that thought that's always there so once you're aware of something you are always aware of that you don't have to be thinking about it but you are aware so so exactly so um, continually um, adding more detail to what you do is adding more interference and noise and there's good noise and bad noise. We we need noise in the system. That that gives us a sense of where we're at, where we're at. But we need that noise to signal ratio to be low. So the signal through to the the body to execute movement. Um, we 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 don't we don't we don't want to add interference into the system because that creates distortion and that affects our movement maps. And that affects decision making, it affects the clarity of thought, it affects a multitude of things which um, ultimately affect our behaviour and movement is essentially behaviour and then we don't recognise that, it's like it's like making a movement that you just don't recognise, it's like it's like it's like when you when people go, Oh just I'm swinging like I feel like it's somebody else's golf swing or somebody else's arms it's like we've just lost complete awareness of what we're doing why does that happen because there's a reason behind everything so um, and often and we don't even know the reason so many times every day I will say I just don't know and I don't because we're dealing with a system that is about 2.8 million years old It's, it's the most advanced an unbelievable kind of feat of engineering you could ever kind of just comprehend it couldn't, well you can't comprehend it's just the, the body is just an amazing um, just a system and it is a system systems within systems that we, we there is we're, we're just looking at the aesthetics we're just looking at the resultant movement we're not looking at the millions of algorithms and calculations and chemical and biological reactions and physical um, interactions throughout the whole body all these this interplay which is so dynamical we can't possibly just go this that's the problem that's the problem because Underneath that's underneath the skin is just something that we cannot comprehend. We can't, and we can't, we cannot. We that, before we even talk about the brain. So, <laughs> so because the brain is obviously your skin's connected to your brain. So the skin is um, it's a sensory part of your brain. So um, and. It's a, um, it's just a, a complex um, system that we we just we can't be so blatant as to go. This is what's wrong. This is what's wrong. We're looking at. If we don't know. So I just don't know. So why am I slicing it? I've not got a clue. <laughs> okay. I could tell you why, what your club's doing. Yeah, that's yeah. different. I could tell you. I could tell you your golf club's coming from four degrees out to in and it's on a it's four degrees three four degrees down and your face is 
four, three, four degrees open to your path and two degrees open to your target or whatever. But you can't say why someone is but doing I can't that. tell you why that's... I can tell... Oh, and your golf club came over here. I'm just talking about movement of a golf club and movement of my hands and movement of my arms and calling them mechanics. Yeah. So what you're saying... The is inverse it? dynamics of, of, of all the joint actions and which you can't see because you can't see forces. Yeah. So... And I don't know how you initiated those forces. I don't know all those uh, muscular interactions that are taking place to create those joint actions. I don't know how those patterns have emerged. I don't know what the stimuli you're reacting to is, and you don't know either, by the way, So, because it's, it's probably subconscious. There's a, there's a conscious intention and a conscious awareness of what you're doing, but often there's, 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 there's a lot of blind spots to your movement. There's places in your golf swing where you just don't have a feel for. Mm. That map is just so hazy and distorted that otherwise, it would only need one, one session to change everything because you just go, well, I just need to be there. All right, that's it. I'm, I'm sorted. Yet, you make you you video your golf swing and it doesn't look like what it feels like. Yeah. It doesn't look how it feels. So, how can I expect to use the same systems to fix it that have currently created that problem in the first place yeah. that I perceive to be a problem? Yeah. I can't use the same systems. That's insanity. I'm doing the same thing. I'm using the same things, the same. Uh, uh, if you like the same mental and physical approach and all I'm doing is ramping up that cognitive load so I'm thinking more about what I'm doing I'm adding more complexity to it I'm adding more noise and it all always always uh, results in a downward spiral in performance and the grind the grind so it's kind of it's true none of a sport really well, I'm, I suppose I've not got a great deal of exposure to other sports, but there's a difference to working hard, by the way, and yeah. and being and grind. You can still enjoy working, so it's kind of um, I'm fortunate. I love my I love my work. I don't it's, I don't don't see it as a job, yeah. but um, and I'm fortunate. But um, but it's an enjoyable it's enjoyable. It's an enjoyable activity. Playing golf should be enjoyable. Practicing should be enjoyable. If it's not enjoyable, you've got to ask yourself questions. Why is it not enjoyable? Yeah. Because I'm supposed to be doing this for fun. And so what is my objective? And how am I, how am I trying to achieve that? Maybe I'm not applying myself in the right way. Or I'm not applying myself. I'm not employing um, the right approach. Because what this is, this is just an invocation. We're invoking this change so it's a it's emergent it's we're really challenging the body and seeing how it reacts because we don't know we don't know exactly where we're at until we move so we've got to we've got to have something to reference ourselves against so if we i equate it right to the graphic equaliser on the old MIDI Hi-Fi, those old Alba things out of Argos when we were kids. Mm. And we had these MIDI Hi-Fis that were like cheap and cheerful. And you'd be playing your Calimino or your Communards or whatever back in my day. <laughs> and you'd, you'd, be playing, you'd be playing that music and you'd have this graphic equaliser. And as an eight, nine, 10 year old, I can't read music. I can't play an instrument. Yeah, I put a, cassette on or record in those days and I've got this graphic equaliser which unbeknown to me are obviously bass, treble and 
and everything. And um, it's such a crude measurement gauge. Yeah, I, I go like this and I go, oh, that sounds all right, that sounds right. And I, and I move along the graphic equalizer and that, that music sounds right to me now. So I can make it, you know, that's, that sounds, that's, that's obviously, that's not right. That sounds better and that sounds better. And there'll be a configuration there that suits my ear. You don't know why, it just does. got no idea, it, yeah. it's pure sensory feedback. Yeah. It's audio feedback that I'm responding to. And I'm, I'm, I'm not saying, I'm, it's not good or bad, it's just doesn't, that doesn't sound right, that sounds yeah. good, that sounds right to me. My brother could walk in the room and go, that's not right Marcus, that, sound, that sounds awful. And he could have, then have to tweak it. So the configuration for him is quite different to what it was for me. Yeah, yeah we don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> we're just, something sounds right and something sounds wrong. And I had to go on that sliding, that slider, I had to go up, didn't sound right, down, didn't sound right, and then I start to find the middle yeah. ground where to me it sounds right. And then I go to the next one, and the next one, and the next one. So I'm self-organizing. Through okay. uh, like extremes. Through, through, through yeah, so I'm, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm through self, so through, through, a, through a process of self-discovery, I'm exploring these parameters and then I'm starting to just naturally fine tune it and um, yeah, attune it to what sounds right to me on a sensory, on a sensory level, my perception. Mm. It's my sensory feedback. So um, nobody could say to me, Marcus, oh, for that song there, that has to be plus two, that needs to be plus one, that needs to be minus one, that needs to be zero. That's the configuration you need for that piece of music. That is it. Every time, for everybody, yeah. that's, the, that's, that, that's how it should be listened to. Yeah, you can't do that. So, but that's, if you like, that's maybe, that's what method coaching is, where there's a system where you have to adhere to that. Yet on the level, it doesn't, if that was a music, if that was the music playing, it wouldn't sound right. But I've now got to live my life listening to that. Yeah. It doesn't sound right. Yeah, I know what you now mean. that is grind. That yeah. is hard work. That's not comfortable. So uh, how yeah. can I listen to that music now all day, every day, for fun, which is what I do in my spare time. I want to listen to some music, and I've got to listen to that because I've I've got to listen. I've got to listen to it in this configuration on that on the amplifier or graphic equalizer. So, so obviously it doesn't work like that. Obviously, you could use that sliding scale. And you naturally select. It's it's almost like a, it's a natural selection. It picks you, so to speak, sort of. Yeah, so you're adapting. We're adaptive. We're adaptive species. We've got to allow ourselves to adapt. We've been and we've been. We've been given this, this body with, as I mentioned, like nearly three million. Depending on what you believe, depending about three million years of evolution behind it, it's the ultimate machine. Yeah. We've got to just trust it. We're not even, in my eyes, we're not even accessing an nth of its potential. Oh. I think um, even neuroscientists would say that, that they know what they know about the brain is relatively limited. Yeah. So if, if neuroscientists say that, how can we say as a golf coach or any, any kind of coach, oh, that's wrong, that's right, that's wrong, because for starters, we don't even know how the brain's functioning. Yeah. We've, it's all theories, a lot of it. So. 
So if someone could beat balls all day, that, that might be right for them. They're loving it, they're enjoying it. Yeah. It's improving it, but for someone like Bubba Watson who says that he can't stand practice, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, he needs to just go out the course. And but maybe that guy who's beating balls is doing it because he believes he has to. So maybe, be, and maybe he does have fun just beating balls. So that would be interesting is to know if, if what he's thinking about when he's he beating balls. that's what he needs to do. It maybe, works. yeah. Maybe. But maybe that, maybe, whether that's enjoyable, I don't know. Whether the, the cause is, is greater um, and that's what drives his enjoyment or um, maybe um, he just enjoys beating balls and he's, got, he's very creative, imaginative and, in his, and he's an innovator. Because we're basically goals of his innovation you are creating something that doesn't exist. So the golf shot doesn't exist yet. It's a figment of your imagination. Yeah, yeah. So, you, so you're now, you're reacting to your imagination. So how good can you react to your imagination? Are you allowing yourself to react to your imagination? So now we're starting to tap into the artistic element, the artistic side, if you like, the left, right, left, right, left side, right side kind of analogy, which, which you could use. Um, are you starting to access that creative side or are you constantly analytical? Um, now we need the analytical side. We've got to make we've got to make uh, decisions. Make decisions. Like where, where's the wind coming from? We've got to make decisions and judgment where's, calls. Exactly. Yeah. And we've got to What's so to there's got to be something. There's got to be a self one that's driving that that intention. So that there's a perception that drives the action. Um, and the vision is a huge part of it. So um, so you're reacting. But what are you reacting to? I think that's an important thing. Is are you re your body's re always reacting to something? What is it reacting to? That's a that's a big driver. So mm. again, all these are questions which which um, can go unanswered. So once you start to raise your awareness of what am I actually focusing on, well, and how do I allow myself to focus? Because by actually trying to focus on something. That ironic process of trying to do something, actually, it's paradoxical. You, you, you're going to probably achieve the opposite. Mm -hmm. So often, by using redirection, you can actually allow the body to autonomously adapt itself in the way that you originally intended. <laughs> it's a head spin, isn't it? I guess it's not, but... So... Because it goes... I see what you mean when you say it goes against... And this is coming from someone, I guess, who's already very extremely open to the idea. When, when, at what point in time, like I said, not to say that anything's right or wrong, but at what point in time did you have your moment where you taught someone in, I, I don't want to call it a methodology or what? It, it's a philosophy. Yeah, it taught someone with your philosophy and you, and you were like, wow, this, this is it. Like, did you apply it to yourself first? This is what I mean when, obviously, you had a conversation with Nick and it was quite No, I couldn't apply it to myself first because so that, would be, that would be almost superficial because I can, I've got influence over that. Yeah, so, so how did you I, know? I, I, just, I just straight, the, ne the, the next day, I, um, and, and look, we're all continually evolving and developing and it, it's, what, how I'm teaching now is different to how I taught yesterday or yeah. three weeks ago six months ago a year ago somebody come somebody came for if somebody came for a lesson a year ago oh i had a lesson with marcus a year ago that's going to be totally different to the lesson i that i'll be giving now yeah there'll be there'll be similarities and there'll be some 
there'll be some um, commonalities there but it's going to be a different experience because since then as a hunter-gatherer we're trying to use all the potential resources to to develop ourselves and empower ourselves as a coach to be able to help people more and more quicker but I don't I don't really think we're not really I'm not really coaching I'm just kind of facilitating really I'm just allowing them I'm providing an environment for them to actually coach themselves because I, I don't want I want them to be I want them to be not to be dependent on me. I want them to be able to be resourceful, well informed, and and about themselves, and to be able to develop that further and that have their own sense of awareness, sense of awareness and intuition, and trust their intuition, and understand that you can actually you can heighten that, and you can actually trust it, and and um, it will perform. Um, and you can, with a certain approach, develop an, with that awareness, develop that recognition of what you do and understanding. So you can repeat without having to repeat a thousand times. So for example, Bernstein's theory um, kind of, it's kind of the repetition, that's where repetition without repetition comes from. If you were hammering a nail, mm. okay, so what he did, he did a, an experiment many years ago, going back going back quite a long way, um, and he was using a hammer, and he was he was tracking the movement of the hammer and the wrist and the arm, and when he pulled the hammer back, and as it got to the end of its, if you like, backswing phase, and then started its downswing, the movement was all over. It was very very variable, and as he started to then return back down into his downswing phase if you like towards the nail it was still really variable from trial on to trial from trial to trial to trial to trial it was there was a huge variability but as he started to get close to that nail his movement started to if you like funnel and he started there was a it's, it's a called funneling and he started to um reduce that movement into a very very precise Execute, precisely executed pattern every single time. So right at the end of the movement, just before the nail, it's the nail. It was almost the same time and time and time again. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yet for the rest of the goal, for the rest of the uh, swing, it was all over. It was all over. And they've done tests with cricket bowlers at, at, at high level, and um, they've tracked their footprints. So, um, oh, and I can't remember the reference, but. Um, so what they did was they tracked their footprints with their run-up and what they found was that the initial part of the run-up the feet were all over you know when you see them mark the ground yeah, yeah. well it's really it's not worth it is. it's just more of a yeah. it's, it's kind of just a I don't know just just for show really yeah. makes them look like they're doing something like they actually know what they're doing and they probably believe they do though I guess. and they probably believe yeah but and, and when they actually start running um the variability between the steps is very high. The feet, they're not matching up at all, they're miles away. And, uh, but as they start to get closer and closer to the crease, and I can't remember how many steps it is, but it's the, it's, the, it's the last phase just before the crease, just as they're coming in, the feet, the foot marks start to almost literally match up every single time from, yeah. from bowl to bowl, from ball to ball to ball. But what's interesting is what they did was they moved 
the umpire. So they moved the umpire back and they found that that had an effect on the variability. The, the variability continued. So they started no balling and they started losing line and length because they changed the environment that he was, oh, wow. was cueing his movement from. So he was referencing points and it's a very cute trick by batsmen in cricket to get the umpire to stand back because what he's actually doing, it's not got anything to do with the batsman. It's just trying to throw the bowler's run up off. Oh my God. So, <laughs> and so, what you, so when you change the environment, you're changing the constraints and you're changing all that cueing and referencing. And so execution and movement changes. And so what that bowler's been doing time and time again, suddenly now, it, unbeknown to him probably, is that he know, his, his body knows how to respond in relation to where the umpire is and the, and the wickets are. So if you actually started to take away, move the wickets and stuff, for example, and just leave the crease there, it probably had more into. So what we're talking about is interference. Mm -hmm. Now this is, this is bad interference, this is bad noise. This is, and then the body's re responding and reacting to that with movement. Now you could be looking at that bowler's action and go, God, his mechanics are off here. And you could start looking at his, his right elbow and his right shoulder and his leg extension and his release and all that stuff and go, well, we need to get you in the bowling nets and we'll go and work on your mechanics. Or you could just put the umpire back and he starts bowling bang on again. So when you say the driving range is never going to be like the golf course, it's never. It's no, because that was just one like constraint we've changed, one variable we've changed there. And the, the driving range is like, it's a completely different environment. So how can you relate your mechanics to... So no two shots are ever, ever going to be the same. No. So the umpire is constantly moving in golf, I guess. Is that right? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good way of putting it, yeah. The umpire's... It's all over the place. Is at the boundary, <laughs> yeah, inside. It's next to the wicketkeeper. Yeah. The, the wickets are moving, the crease is moving. I wonder if that is, has anything to do as to why golf's so uniquely hard. And why do we practice, therefore, trying to hit the same shot over and over again on a, goal, on a driving range, when we're, never, we're not going to hit the same shot over and over again on a golf course? Which we, what we're trying to do, we're endeavouring to try and achieve a repeatable pattern. But that paradox is there where you actually achieve that by not trying to achieve it. So you actually get the repetition by not repeating. It's where it's how you constrain the environment, and you are part of the environment. The golf club is part of the environment. The ball is part of the environment. Even the golf shot you are perceiving is part of the environment because it's in your imagination, and your imagi and imagination is as is as real as real world, the real world. So it's kind of if you can imagine it, it's believable. It's it's as if it was there. There's a there's a feel, a touch, a smell that goes with it. So all the sensories. All the sensors are fired up and um, you develop attachments to that picture. And if that picture is not what you're, if, you've always, if you're always seeing a slice, all that sensory perception is, 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 um, is attached to that slice all the time. So, and so what we need to do first is we need to play around with that sensory perception. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So all this kind of stuff, you watch someone, We've got a sand pit here. If you, if you take your shoes and socks off and swing in sand, golf swing starts to look different. And it feels so different. Yeah. And then you can start to play around with how the feet are moving in the sand. Change the texture of the sand, change the depth of the sand, and movement changes. Um, change the golf shot then. See how the movement changes in the sand when you try and hit a different golf shot. And you start to realise, hang on a minute, my body's moving different. Because we become, we become desensitised Obviously, wearing shoes and 
socks. It's like wearing gloves. If you were wearing oven gloves all your life, your hands would become desensitised. If you took them off after 10 years, if you wore gloves on your hand for 10 years and then took them off and tried to do something very, that requires a very high level of precision and a very articulate, very fine motor skill, um, it would be difficult. Yet we wrap our feet in socks and desensitise them and wrap them up in shoes and restrict their movement and lift them up and cushion them and and our feet are, they're just full of nerve endings. And um, once, you, once you actually remove that and allow your feet to literally use the ground, it gives a very, it gives a very different uh, experience. And so a lot, of, a lot of what we do as well is, is barefoot. Obviously you don't play golf barefoot, but you can excite the system. You can stimulate the system in a different way because it's all about as I said, you don't know where you are until you move, and but that means in a, on a sensory level as well. So you you change that sensory feedback, but it's not us initiating that. We're listening to the body. All we're doing is creating an environment for the body to adapt, and we're going to stand back and look at how it reacts and changes and adapts. And now we can start to work with something because we know we can see how the body's reacting. Otherwise, we don't know what we're dealing with. So and. Um, but the beauty about it is the subconscious knows all this. It, it already, this supercomputer that's this hard drive in the background that's, that's basically running your life for you. Yeah. <laughs> is, which we're trying to control. Which we're trying to, yeah, inhibit, really. And so there'll be moments when you hit a golf shot. There'll be a moment... And it often, it's often when you get in closer proximity to the hole where you know you're going to hole it. Yeah. Everyone's had an experience where yeah, then you yeah. know it's going in. Yeah, before you just you know. Even... And there's a sense of calm and knowing and movements with, and it's almost like I could move, I could do anything here and this ball's going to go in. I don't even have to think about, it's like this is going in. And you hit it almost nonchalantly. It's like, I I'm not even thinking about it. And there's an air of knowing and your mates are like, oh, well done that and you just kind of yeah I, I, yeah brilliant it was like you knew it was going in mm. so what happened there why does there was a simulation and your action you weren't consciously trying to do something it just adapted and it suddenly went in and that that kind of that's touched us all at some point um, and it's almost a sense of disbelief like wow I've had like a supernatural experience and um, that exists in all of us so what we need to do is um, create an environment where that can we can cultivate that mm. so we're trying to really yeah create just facilitate the emergence of that natural adaptation so we are autonomous and um and proficient because it's no good like we said it's no good having a lack of awareness where you don't know what shot you're going to hit it's like if I if I do that with a tennis racket I pretty much know what the ball's going to do straight away I mean you've, you've spoke about it on some of your videos if I do that you even know what I'm doing what sport I'm playing and within a certain level of proficiency I can kind of I know where the ball's roughly going to go yeah I can with football we can curl a ball right to left we can curl it left to right table tennis we can spin it we don't have to be like the world's best tennis player we don't have tennis player we don't, we don't have to be Ronaldo we can all curl a ball 
generally. So, so why is golf so unique that most people don't, I don't want to say they don't have this natural ability because they do and that's what you proved time and time again and that's what I found out when I came to see you but why is it that um, it's sort of not there until someone like you makes it apparent to that individual? I think the key is it seems elusive and um, and to most it is because we don't create that environment. I don't know is the answer. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Okay, all I can do is with the framework we've got and it's extensive and how we basically invoke change. So we induce a state of change. So either by um, changing how the body functions. So we use lots of different, we employ lots of different methods um, which have a sensory create a, sen um, a change of your sensory perception, a change of your... Sorry, sorry. I no, guess the ball's right. moving in a lot of these sports, and it's it sort of, that yeah. change is there maybe? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't answer it definitively, um, like you said, you don't know, but... And I think, but I think that's also, yeah, I mean, but football, you can have a dead ball situation. Yeah, true, yeah. I think <laughs> you'd approach that different. So golf just still is this blip on the radar. It's funny, isn't I it? I think it is. Um, it's part of what makes it so addictive, though. But I think we've been we're so, and the the new wave of science that uh, the the kind of ecological psychology that approach, um, which embraces a dynamical systems theory. That's 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 at the heart of it. Really, kind of um, is now paving the way for a more holistic approach to coaching, which I'm not saying is better or worse, it's it's just a, a bolt on to, to probably what most coaches currently do. It's definitely not, there's no conflict, it's just another tool to use. But the science supports it now, and I think it it's, it's allowing us to coach in a different way, where we can, we can actually influence somebody without having to explicitly talk about how they move which is important I think because that explicit instruction creates an explicit thought process where I have to do something yet movement is more implicit based so that implicit approach which has been out there for a long time Gabriella Wolf and stuff like that external focus of attention and implicit focus implicit approach um, and also the explicit, there's, there's, there's the studies out there which support it for beginners and things like that. So it's, it's, there's no one size fits all. I think that's the way forward. But what we're allowing you to do here is enter a state of, of kind of self-exploration really, self-discovery. And we're going we're gonna to find out what works best. So we're listening to the, we're listening to the body. Yeah. We're yeah. not telling the body what to do. We're listening to it. Yeah. So it's, I guess um, a good way of wrapping this up was be to mention that obviously I've I've got someone coming to see you tomorrow. Yeah. Who I've given a lesson to previously, and given him that experience of, of I guess the the flow or whatever that is, <laughs> but then he's gone away and it's completely left him. Yeah. And he's in a massive pickle. And that does happen. You're not alone in that. Either. I mean, that happens to myself and Sam. Um, and some of the other guys that we've coached 
we've trained um, because so the environment bad. changes yeah. and the mindset changes and the resultant uh, actions change. So um, if you've been doing something for a long time, there's habits and there's what there's you formed habits and you form patterns that you recognize and you form them there's a there's a there's there's past experience you cannot just um literally lose all that it's 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 as we've mentioned it's still there it's still imprinted there's still an imprint there there's still a pathway there's still patterns that are that are in the system there's maps these movement maps are still there yet what we've done is create we've created extensive maps the ability for it to then find its most optimal route and what we need to do is create that um, environment and that state ultimately the state where you allow the body to recruit that pattern and that pathway um, no matter what no matter what um, if you like noise is within that environment so it's 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 yeah, developing no matter where the, it's the developing resilience umpire is. <laughs> exactly so it's yeah. developing it's developing a resilience um and that that resilience that robustness is what's is what all the what all the players are searching for and every golfer's looking for that adaptability where that umpire could be moving wherever you want yet the pattern you can still function and still bowl the guy out. So it's sort of like we, we think we're after consistency, but actually we're after like adaptability, sort of. Does that make sense? But after, yeah, exactly. And also, what would the guy change his cue to? So if you move the... Re if he'd find... It, for example, if we play with that analogy, if you were moving the umpire around, the bowler would find something that's fixed. And it might not even be near the, near the wicket. It could be somewhere else. Oh, yeah. He'd find some other cue as where it's fixed that stays there so he can reference his movement in, re in respect to that. So he can recalibrate. So we, so we are constantly recalibrating. And it's that ability to recalibrate in the moment because every golf shot requires recalibration. But if we're yeah. trying to, if we're in, a, in the same place and we're not recalibrating, we're constantly in a calibrated state with this surrounding and this environment and this particular golf club most seven people seven irons or six irons are worn out because that's what they practice the most with and so you're using the same length club same lie all that kind of stuff we've all heard it before um but it's the calibration that's not take the recalibration that's not taking place so but recalibration of what is it in our respect in our case is it the physiology is it the central gravity which we can influence is it your postural function is it um the ranges of movement is it the joint actions you can access is it the direction the the um, attentional focus where that's directed is it um it is it i mean the physiology physiological aspect of it is so huge there's so many elements involved that we can influence that at any part of the system everything is connected to everything so you can be doing some self myofascial release on the on the ankle and the calf and it frees up the right shoulder right shoulder range so um, everything's connected to everything so there's no right or wrong you can't go wrong because you're affecting the system in some way yeah. and what you're going to see now is how the system reacts and responds and now we're going to see something so we're not 
there's, there's nothing wrong about with this approach because we're just seeing change. But what the skill of it, of, the, of, of, of this methodology, if you like, is, is starting to change the, the, the landscape, that environment you're in, to start to allow that person to organise in a more efficient manner in respect to their intention, yeah. the task. So uh, we're affecting change, but there's a purpose to it. We're not just like doing something for no reason. Gambling. Exactly, there's no gambling taking. There's, it's, it's, um, there's a purpose behind it. And that's where I come from. That's where my, my history, my background as a biomechanist, I'm always, I've got a very kind of almost systematic, very pragmatic approach. I want to, yeah, the way that I employ my interventions is, looks very left field. Yeah, looks very... Yeah, if you wanted me to explain it all anatomically, biomechanically, physiologically, using 3D pressure play, even showing you maybe some... some, some just uh, some examples, um, it can be, it can be rationalised, yeah. reasoned. And so there's a, there's a meaning, there's a meaningful reason behind it. And so when I first become, because I didn't invent the looking forward swing or walking, the walking drill, it was Bill Owens. Yeah. And uh, we're very fortunate to, to know Bill and work with Bill. And I actually got to know about this through Stefan Basho and um, spent some time with Stefan. Um, and since then, it's evolved and we've into something that is yeah we've we've added so many elements to it which act as really catalysts so they really do amplify the effects of it um and it's yeah it's a it's a system which bill's been using for thick end of 30 years with massive success and he's just that shows you what a maverick he was back then just out on the practice ground, just hitting balls, and he was given, he says, given this gift. It just came and he was chosen and he was given this gift and it just came to him. He had a, a magical moment and um, he started to, yeah, practice and work it out in his mind, hit balls, and then he wrote it down and he's wrote, he's wrote a book, uh -huh. Golf Educative, it's fantastic. So, um, and then through, uh, Nick at Zen and then through through Stefan we got to understand what what Bill calls triangulate um, we got we got to understand the methods and then we we've evolved that with 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 other elements and so we very much align ourselves with um, an ecological approach whereby we really do not um, want to in any way shape or form explicitly instruct the body what to do even down so down to grip alignment you only have to look at all the world's top players i mean the world's best they all swing it different grip it different stand different postures are different ball positions are different they're all different and um what can be what can appear to be the most aesthetically mechanically sound swings don't win week week after week after week after week. We've seen Brooks Kepka storming the majors, 
with a swing that certainly if you had a complete beginner um, I can imagine wouldn't be taught so it's something that's evolved yeah it's very unique but yet Dustin Johnson also has a unique swing and Bubba Watson has a unique swing and yeah. you can go up Phil Mickelson and people um, and then you look at players like Tiger Woods and look at Tiger when he was really young and his swing, his swing looks pretty much the same Yes, there's technical. There's technical. Looking with a coach's eye, you can, you can magnify it, and you can look at changes. And t Tiger's gone through a lot of technical swing changes, but he's a very. In, he's. A, he's. he's a, I mean, I obviously don't know him, so I can't speak for him. But the shots he plays, the imagination he has, is similar. It's like on a level with kind of, or it's like what Seve was like. So. And Seve was classed as a complete flair, flamboyant, kind of extravagant character on a golf course. He was like an Arnold Palmer, I suppose. Bit of a swashbuckler, really creative. Short game was unbelievable. Tiger's the same thing. Yeah. Yet we've, we've kind of also, we think of it as this mechanically sound golf swing, which, yeah, it's a beautiful golf swing. Um, and what he's done is phenomenal. I mean, he's changed a lot of attitudes. And... Um, and yeah, I think surprised a lot of people, def definitely myself included in that. And I think it's amazing. And I think it just shows what's what's possible. But I think you only have to look at all the all the swings. And just because a swing looks mechanically more sound doesn't mean it's more repeatable. Yeah. Just because it yeah. looks like it's a simpler action does not mean that that's more repeatable. I can relate to that. You can have a golf swing yeah. that is got lots and lots of moving parts, but the body can just repeat that, repeat, 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 repeat. Yeah. Um, because we're all so different. Our sensory perception's different. What I, what I feel as huge variability, the next person might feel as very small variability in their movement. I could be making big movements, and to me it feels massive, and to the next person it feels like a very refined, fine, finely kind of... Uh, execute repeatable executed movement to him he could repeat it every time yet it looks like it's all over the place Jim Furyk yeah <laughs> so example to him that movement is just like clockwork and it's it's just repeats 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 yet the golf club's moving all over the place um, but what is all over the place it's something we've been conditioned to think is that, that is all over the place if, yeah it's kind if of, everyone swung like that, then it... It would be the norm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we perceive as being a great golf swing. It's, it's just... Um, it's people's beliefs, and it's been born out of... Yeah, I mean... A lot of literature. Um, it's people's opinions, really. Yeah. And we've been... And that's through conditioning, through... Yeah, through the media, through golfing literature literature through um, yeah coaching and 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 through watching the best players look at Jack Nicholas's golf swing I mean that's not what people would perceive as being a, a technical yeah, you very try and um, come across somebody who sort of wants to <clears throat> like model themselves after that swing so to speak I guess it might not be as well look at with I mean look at Ben Hogan unbelievable golfer that he was and I arguably the best ball striker of all time and there's thousands of Hogan teachers out there the book was written in 1957 and we've never we've not seen anyone swing it like Hogan since Hogan 
Yeah. And it's 62 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and no one's swinging like Hogan, yet it's the most revered book of all time. You've got the day that you've got obviously Ledbetter in 1990 with the golf swing. That was a, a pivotal book in golf coaching and Ledbetter brought coaching to the fore and made, put it on a real public platform. And we all owe these coaches a lot because it's, it's, um, it's really elevated um, the, the business of coaching um, and and we've all got to be grateful for that but in re, in respect to shaping beliefs and attitudes um, we only have to look in the real world at what's going on in a practice ground yeah. and we can see that look there are common denominators not saying there aren't common denominators as a biomechanist I'm looking at fundamental kind of movement you're going to see you're going to see there's, there's fundamental principles that they're adhering to, but the bodies, the bodies, are, they're all achieving it in a different way. Yeah. But they are using the forces that we can't see in a very functional way, and um, and hopefully in a way that's not going to potentially injure them. So the they are optimized. They're optimized. They've, they've optimized their movement. Um, but their style's so different. And so how can you coach what is essentially style without changing the style? Yeah. So that's a whole different yeah, conversation. Yeah, yeah. And something it's that- It's quite a rabbit hole. It is. And um, it's an interesting conversation because I don't, I, there is no right or wrong answer. Um, no. All I'm doing is talking from with, from my experience and with from my perspective of from an ecological approach um, and so allowing the the body to really that's the ultimate decision maker we've got to listen to it all we can do is ask it questions yeah well I mean I can only obviously speak from my experience I've not made it uh, sort of any I've not been shy about how much I'm in awe every time I've well I say every time um, whenever I've heard you speak or obviously been taught by myself and I just know what takes place in this room <laughs> do you know what I mean and I just can't wait to yeah, as wrong as that sounds <laughs> I just can't wait to uh, show others do you know what I mean yeah uh, yeah I'm buzzing man. I'm, look, yeah, I'm looking forward to it yeah same <laughs> oh, that was good it was good